This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the, at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Temple Mount. And go online after this, please, and click on YomTovMediaClub.com and join the club and let's get the word out there. Now, we have this long list of adjectives that we say every day. And those of you who are um, from yeshivas and seminaries and those type people, um, I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. Listen to this long list of adjectives. I'm going to start with the English in this prayer book. I've got the Art Scroll prayer book. Uh, I would probably define a lot of these words differently, but just for convenience, I'll use the Art Scroll. Ready? Here comes a long list of adjectives. Uncertain and established, enduring, fair, faithful, beloved, cherished, delightful, pleasant, awesome, powerful, correct, accepted, good, beautiful, forever and ever. Fifteen adjectives. And all those adjectives, just to tell you the Hebrew, it says, Hadavarazeh. Hadavarazeh. The word Hadavarazeh means upon us. Meaning all these, all, all these awesome adjectives describing something. What's that thing? It doesn't say. It just says Hadavarazeh. What is the Devarazeh? That's my first question in this class. Meaning, in Judaism, we are going to go for a 15, like literally a succession of 15 adjectives and then not give the actual subject. We're just going to say a pronoun. This thing. What is this thing? What is this thing that we would give 15 awesome adjectives about? Now, I know all of you want to live amazing lives and you want to have, you know, you want a lot of great adjectives about your day and about your trip to Israel and about, and about your, 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 a wedding you went to and, or about a movie you saw or something. You all want to come up with lots of adjectives. I think all of us want to want to have great adjectives at the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year, the end of our lives. I mean, you think about it, when you visit your old grandma or your old grandpa, you know, you're really looking for some adjectives about their life. And you'd hope they'd have really good ones. And you're hoping you're going to have really good ones. But here, as Jews, we have this long list of adjectives, and it doesn't say what they're actually describing. It just says, Hadavar Azeh. What is that thing? What is that thing that Judaism thinks is so amazing? Maybe it's God. I don't know. Maybe. Anyone else? Any other takers? For those who say it every day, you know what I'm talking about here? What is the Devarazet? Now, I don't mean to catch someone with their pants down right now, like people who were raised saying this their whole lives have no idea what the Devarazet is. But I mean, can anyone raise their hand and say what the Devarazet is? Certainly not. Okay, whoever said God, that was wonderful. You know, and kind of an easy answer, but not, not the answer. Because God's not a Devar. He's, you understand, he's not a thing. Like this thing. What is this thing? Yeah. The routine of saying it every morning. Saying what every morning? All these adjectives. No. <laughs> no, no, no. These adjectives are describing something. What is the thing they're describing? Hadavarazeh. 
Okay, I've caught a lot of people off guard, which is, I'm, I'm known to do that because I have to interview men to marry my daughters. <laughs> I pity the foo who goes through one of those interviews. I mean, I, the, I mean, you can't answer more things wrong than these boys trying to marry my daughters. <laughs> and I don't mind, by the way. They can answer wrong. I don't care. I just want to see their approach and how they deal with it. And, you know, if they buckle under the pressure, you know, of, of getting thrashed around by, by me, you know, I, I... So what kind of questions are What kind of questions I ask? I might ask a couple halakhic questions, but I'm much more interested in, you know, these are guys, they're just kids, they're 18, 19, so I, I would ask them more, uh, maybe a little philosophical questions or questions about their outlook in life and... Questions about um, how much they're choosing their life or how much the system's been choosing their life for them. Because, you know, the, the black attitude world's a pretty strong system. So I want to know how much is this guy choosing versus how much is he just going along. You know, he's just in the river. Now, I know he's in the river, but I want to know if he's got a paddle. You know, because when you're in a river, you can go to this side, you can go to that side. You know, I live in that river too, but I've got a hell of a paddle. And I've raised my kids to each have their own paddle. And the only way they're going to respect the person they marry which is in the Hasidic world, that's my wife's and my job. So we got to make sure the guy or the gal has a paddle. We're not going to have someone without a paddle marrying our children. <laughs> our kids would just never respect them. And you should know it's not easy to be our kids. You know, they spent, they spent a good four, five, six years being the only kids really choosing their lifestyle amongst all their friends in the, you know, the Yiddish-speaking Hasidic community. And they don't necessarily like it so much. They can even get resentful and think that we gave them too much space. And I just go to bed saying, tough luck, man. You know, you got to be a chooser in your life. You know, you got to choose your life, make your choices. And I respect whatever they do, whatever they choose. You know, I give them plenty of space. The only thing I ask from them is to keep their word. Meaning if they commit to a school or if they commit to this, they commit to that, follow through with it. That's, that's my only pressure on my kids is that, they, is that they have integrity with what they do. So many of us feel like we're victims of our school system, so, so we just do it our way. We'll just do it our way. Like you, for example, the six ladies who I missed this morning who are here, you're probably planning on even doing that. Raise your hand. Who are the six ladies again? One's in the bathroom. One's in the Okay. Like, you're, for example, you're on a program, right? Yeah. But you're going to do it your way, aren't you? <laughs> so that's one thing I say to my kids is, if you're going to be in a school or something, like, don't do it your way. You know, they, they, or go to some other school. But if you're choosing to be part of something, be part of it from A to Z. And be someone who, who stays committed and, and, um, and uh, oh, there's a better word for it, um, Whatever. What's the better word for it? When we're committed to something, we are. Uh, when you're keeping your word to it. Yeah, we'll leave it as committed, devoted. Now, the guy dressed in black and white conveniently got a phone call when I asked this question of what are all these adjectives describing? No one wants to give a stab, another stab at it? What piece is this? This is Emes Viatziv, after Shema Yisrael. 
Uh, I'm just asking what are these like great adjectives describing? Because it only says here a pronoun. It says this thing. This. Oh, 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 we got to take her because I gave it away a little bit. She said Shema. Shema, because we just finished the three paragraphs of Shema. And then this long list of adjectives about this thing. Okay, well, what about Shema are we so excited about that we're just going to list all these great adjectives? By the way, um, for those of you, raise your hand here who says this daily. Anyone say Vyatsev daily? Wow, a whole slew of you guys. Amazing. So, for those who say this daily, and by the way, I suggest everyone try it, you know, at least three days, say it three days in a row or something, just to give it a feel. Say these adjectives really slowly. <laughs> Click on each one and chew on it and breathe through it and, and like, really, like, each one all the way. Like, like something you would, like, text 50 friends about, each adjective. Like, if you did something really awesome, I think awesome was one of them, yep, Nora, you know, or Adir, Adir is more awesome, it was awesome. So, something you would, like, text all your friends or post a status about, go into each adjective like that. I don't care if your whole, if you usually pray a half hour, spend 10 minutes of that half hour on these 15 adjectives and watch it blow you away. And that's what we're about to do. We're going to blow ourselves away. But it's not Shema. That wasn't the answer. What about Shema? Are we thinking is so amazing? Uh, you have, you have... Yeah. Aren't you supposed to say those 15 words in one breath? No. You're thinking about something else. Okay. That's, uh, you're thinking of Yishtabach. Shur Shvacha Halavazim Ozim Shalom Netzim Gedulah Gevurat Tehelah Vetziferes Kedushavah Malchus. That's Yishtabak. These, slow it down. Real slow. Okay, guys. Ready? Yes, ma'am. His kingship. Okay. We didn't mention his kingship anywhere here. Okay, the covenant, maybe. Maybe that's awesome. I don't think that's what it's about. I mean, when's the last time you thought a covenant was so awesome? <laughs> Maybe on your wedding night you thought it was so awesome, but you woke up a week later and you're like, well, it's a commitment. It's work. Marriage is work. You know, so that, that's not exactly something you're posting. Okay? This is major posts here. You're like, you're like, this is your new status for a while. So what is so exciting about Shema that we're excited about? Yeah. Uh, I like that. I like that. You know what? Anything you guys are going to say is going to be wrong at this point. So I feel bad to even patronize your wrong answers. So, so the answer is, is, that, is that nothing exists besides God. That all this world is just a vibrational digital illusion. It's just made of God's stuff. Like, like craft beer is liquid God. Okay, and and you guys are like, like spiritual humans, you know, that made of God, and and um, music is just like sound wave God, and and that's all it is. It, because what did we say when we said Shema that God is one? He's one. And what do we say later in our prayers? Vehu echad sheni. There's no other. Everything's made of God. And that's awesome, because when you realize that, when you realize that everything's made of, of God, it's all one. Shema, shh, 
is the highest frequency. Mm is the lowest frequency. Shim. Ma. Ayin. Ayin is the I. Ayin. Ayin. Is like, is like get undistracted by the expansiveness. Get focused. Go deep into this understanding. Look deep. Delve deep into what? Yisrael. Shema Yisrael. Click on the word Yisrael. And Rashi says that's very ethnocentric. If God's really one, then why Yisrael? Why not the Goyim? When and all the other people in the world. You know, I just had the strangest thing happen to me. My wife and I were walking with a um, four-year-old this Shabbos. And she lives in a neighborhood where there are no stores open. So she's never seen a restaurant open on Shabbos. And, but I always feel bad for Gentiles in Jerusalem who think they're going to go out and get a bite on Shabbos. Yeah, that's great. We'll be there for the Sabbath. Yeah. And, and they want to, I mean, you see these people, they're like, they're like clawing their way up Jaffa Street, you know, you know, like on their last breaths, just trying to find something to eat, you know, and, and it's, it's illegal to keep a restaurant open on Java. So there's just not much they can do there. They can go to East Jerusalem, I suppose. And, and then of course there are, there are people who are willing to pay the fines because they make a lot of money being the only stores open. Jews who will open their restaurants on Shabbos in, Euro- in Jerusalem. Anyway, I felt so bad for this little four-year-old girl that my wife and I were walking to somewhere that she had to see a business open on Shabbos for her first time. And she looked at us and she was like, what is this? And most of the people were Gentiles because most of the Jews are at Shabbos meals or whatever. And and so I said, those are, they're Gentiles. Gentiles have to eat. And so this restaurant's for Gentiles. And they really were mostly Gentiles. And a little four-year-old looks up at us and says, why aren't they killing us? <laughs> My wife and I almost fainted. We were like, what? Why aren't they killing us? What's her question. What a strange thing. I mean, there's a lot of ways to take that. At first, I was like, I was like, who's educating this little girl? You know? <laughs> that was my first take. It's like, what kind of education this kid's getting? You know, about, about 7 point whatever billion people in the world are, are, are Gentiles. Not that she, a little four-year-old knows there's 7 billion of them. But like 99.9999% of humanity are these Gentiles, and her question is, why aren't they killing us? Why aren't they killing us? I mean, I had to think quickly. I had to to work quick there, so I was like, not all the Gentiles want to kill us. There are good ones. And she was just like... She was ready to walk a little faster away from that restaurant. Not sure she bought it. Yeah. So, but then I was thinking something else. Then I was thinking, that it makes sense what she's saying. Like, this girl, this girl knows no history 
at all. You know, like she's probably, you know where she's probably getting this was probably from a picture book on Passover that showed like people throwing babies into the Nile and God knows what else and all kinds of graphic pictures of Egyptians and Jews and, and you know, that's probably where she got it. I mean, she probably has some memories of Hanukkah, which didn't, weren't so good either. You know, she only knows this stuff probably from Jewish holidays. It's not like anyone's educating her at all about Gentiles. So this is, you know, she's this tall. You know, she's not getting her, like, the, the nation's class. This is, this is, these are holidays, Jewish holidays she's probably getting her education from. Purim, yeah, Purim didn't look good either. And, and we really celebrate these holidays here in Israel, so she's like... Yeah, but uh, so I was thinking that put her juxtaposed to another Jewish girl who's four years old, named you know Cindy, Cindy Bergman. You know, just as Jewish, like the same Jewish, growing up in public school in some you know rural suburb of. Chicago or something like that, you know, and her best friends are Chrissy and Biffy and whomever, Smith, and, and, uh, anyway, but this, this little girl is like, you know, she obviously needs, she needs broadening, she needs a lot of broadening, and she's too young for that right now. But hopefully she was able to distinguish that there's good ones and there's not good ones. But, but I was thinking that she's going to marry a Jew, this kid. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> She'll marry a Jew. Yeah, this, this one's going to go for the Jewish husband. I'll take the Jewish one, please. Yeah. That's like criteria 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You know, like, and on and on and on. Later we'll see if he's actually handsome. But like she's she's clearly like identified in all the weirdest ways. I mean that that was a pretty bizarre comment to get from a four year old. But but it would be more accurate than Cindy Bergman if you ask them both about Gentiles. It'd probably be more accurate. This little one it'd probably be more accurate. It, it, meaning historically, I can't tell you. I don't know in any one moment if you freeze frame the earth and like interviewed every Gentile because the vast majority of Gentiles never heard of Jews. You realize, like, I know you guys think like everyone knows who we are. The majority of this planet has no idea what Jews are. You can go to Africa, you go to, you know, you go to the, the Africa. You know how many people are in Africa? You know, India, you know, they never even crossed their radar, South America. No Jew ever crossed their path in their entire lives. Like, in the whole continents of people that don't even know they're Jews unless they, like, learned about it in school, maybe. For those that have school. So, so clearly, there's, you know, it's hard to be anti-Semitic if you don't know there's such thing as Jews. Wow, would that be a cool experiment? If they could take a group of people that never met Jews in their lives and then expose them to Jews and see if they're anti-Semitic. Hmm. They're Christians, though. Well, they've, they've had a long history with us. They've had a lot of exposure, Christians. 
That was the lamest digression I think I've ever had from a class. I apologize for all that, but I just remembered that story yesterday. What do you guys think of that? Anyone here got a, something to say about this strange occurrence? What? It was like someone from across Jerusalem. We were just helping get the child to a babysitter. The kid we were walking? Yeah, it was like a little Hasidic girl. Yeah. What? Yeah, so what do you mean it's sad? Right, it's a pretty scary world out there. Yeah. That thought crossed my mind, too. I mean, there's only so long she would be able to hold on to that until she would start to realize that, you know, well, she already did start to realize that yesterday, that they're not allowed to kill us. Any other thoughts? Not everybody realizes that. Like, realizes what? Unless someone tells them that, or unless they see this restaurant open on Shabbat, then they never have the opening for that awareness. Right, some would never get that awareness. Yeah. 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 Most people do. There, there would be some. Any other thoughts on that before we close that little subject? No one else has any thoughts about it? I have some other thoughts about it, but I don't know how to articulate them right now. Yeah, what do you got? It reflects, it reflects really bad on Orthodox Judaism that would give her that impression. Yeah, yeah but she's too little to have that be a reflection. She's, well, that's where she got it from. I understand, but she, she only... She's, I'm telling you, this kid wasn't even... She was, like, barely above my knees. You know, she was a tiny little kid. Like, she definitely got it from holidays, I'll tell you that. I know the parents. She did not get this from her parents. What's that? Mm, nah. No, they grow up eventually. You start to realize. Now you grow up. You know, you're, you're, you have an Arab cab driver, and you're like, hey, the Arab cab driver didn't kidnap us. And, the, you know, they'd probably say that by the time they're six. They'd say, hey, was he Jewish? And parents say, no, he was Arab. Well, you didn't kidnap us. Well, not all Gentiles are kidnappers. And then that would have happened at six. So, I mean, realize how large, we have millions of Arabs living here in, in Israel. So, I think she, would have, she wouldn't have lasted that long with this belief. Okay. Anyway, back to our class. Shema Yisrael. Yisrael. Yisrael Rashi says that's ethnocentric. Why not the rest of the world? You know what his answer is? You know what Rashi says? It's crazy. Rashi says, and I'm going to embellish a little, but Rashi says that if you tell Gentiles they're living inside a, a, um, a digital, uh, what do you call it, a simu- simulation, you tell Gentiles that none of this world is even real, it would freak them out. And so only in the end of days are the Gentiles going to be able to get, wrap their heads around the fact that we're just inside a digital simulation, that this whole thing is just an illusion. And you know, you know what's amazing about that, Rashi? Is that years ago there was a movie called The Matrix, which really blew the world's minds. And where you had to like kind of figure out what was real, because what was a simulation, what wasn't. And, and since then there's been all these simulated reality movies. A uh, um, couple others are out there. I don't remember the names of the movies. Inception and... And then there was Avatar's a bit of a simulated reality as well. And uh, anyway, they, they're, 
simulate, simulate, telling a Gentile that the world's a digital simulation and it's really an illusion is like a no-brainer today. But it, when I grew up, this world was supposed to be so real. Cadillacs were supposed to be the goal. And, and death was like the scariest thing on earth. People aren't afraid of death like they used to be. Because if this world's a simulation and your consciousness is never linked to time, I mean, how old is your consciousness? I know your body is probably, uh, how old are you, 20 or something? 24. 25. You have a 24 year old body. How old is your consciousness? And not <laughs> that you can work on. I didn't mean that consciousness. I didn't mean that part. What I meant was like just your pure sense of being. Like you know how you all are in this room, right? You have a pure sense of being here, right? You all notice you're here. Are you aware that you're aware? Everyone's aware they're aware here. How old is that part of you? Doesn't have an age. Notice that every moment of your life, your entire life, you've always been aware that you're aware in that moment. You're always aware, and, and it's never aging, ever. It never ages, your pure awareness. So people are not afraid of death like they used to be these days, which may be a good thing. I think it's a pretty good thing, but, but, the, but I think it's probably a very good thing. But the, the fact that your body ages and your consciousness doesn't, will, after a while you start to realize, well, maybe it's not linked to time. Because it never ages. So it must not be linked to time. Which means that it will be with me forever. It's always been. If it's not linked to time, well then when did it start? Think about that. You ever thought about that? If your consciousness isn't linked at all to time, so when did it begin? You want to think it began with your body? I doubt it. Highly doubt it. Is there anything in your body that would create consciousness? And we're the only beings anyway with that. Meaning as far as you're like the, the actual entity that you are, the organism that you are, doesn't have any consciousness. But it does have, you know, it, it will want food. Like, for example, they'll find inner city kids sucking the corner of a wall because when they used to put lead in paint, like an inner city starving kid will actually start sucking on the paint. They, they found this in inner city places with old buildings that still had lead in the paint. They found like the corners of the walls, as, as tall as the kids are, all the paint's gone. Because the kids sucked it off to try to get nutrients. Lead's poisonous, by the way. You don't want. That's why it's not in paint anymore. But like, meaning you do, you are an organism, and that's definitely speaking up. You know, every time you have a sexual thought, that's your organism speaking. So you definitely have that. But you, but you also have this consciousness, the awareness that you're aware, and that's not couched in any part of your body, nor in your brain. The awareness that you're aware is not findable. It's not, it's not part of brain science. When they do a brain scan, they can't find the you that's aware of your awareness. The awareness of the awareness they cannot find. Because it doesn't exist physically. And it certainly didn't begin with your body. Because it's not linked at all to it. The miracle of miracles is that it even follows your body around. Maybe if you run fast enough down the old city street, you could actually beat it. You know, like your consciousness will like catch up later. Like, how does it hang around your body? Did you guys know we have a blessing for going to the bathroom? After the bathroom, we have a blessing. Just that all the ducks and tubes do their thing. You know, the ducks stay closed when they should be and open when they shouldn't be. And they should be, everything should be, tubes should be clear. We make a blessing like this. But you know what the last two words are? Last two words are weird. It says, umafli, which is the word wonder, like pella, beyond nature. La sot. He does wonders. <laughs> what wonders is he doing? Because the whole blessing's on the nature of the body. So where are the wonders? Wonders means beyond nature. Pella. 
means beyond nature. So what are the wonders? The wonders are, when you click on that word, our, our sages teach you, that it's that your soul, that consciousness, hangs around the body. Because it's not linked to the body. It's not linked to time. It's not linked to your body. It's not linked to anything. It's only linked to God. And it's eternal. Meaning your awareness that you're aware has noticed it's always been there. And it will always be there. So you're in a digital simulation with a consciousness that's part of the eternal. And you have this little, this little Tesla called your body to like get you around town. And all of us are going to look like the raisin man when we're old. The raisin, so, the raisin man? The raisin man. <laughs> we're all going to look like, meaning we haven't even gone swimming and we'll all look like we've just been swimming for like six hours. You know, when we're like really old. And society will tell you like, you know, first of all, use it while you got it. If your skin's still taut. And, and then after that, they'll like, then there's like cosmetic surgery and makeup and everything. They'll like somehow try to pretend you're not going to die. <laughs> but what a pleasure to just stay focused on the consciousness because then you don't have, it's, you don't even have to think about such things because you're eternal. You're eternal. And if your body looks old, well, you probably got a good story for every line on your face. And so you'll keep people entertained at your table side, at your coffee table. You'll keep them entertained because you'll have amazing stories to tell of all the adventures of your life. People will seek your wisdom. But all those people trying to stay young and spending, spending thousands to stay young. And I remember once my, my father, he was in his 70s and he, uh, my father was in his, no, he was in his 80s. My father was in his 80s. He's still going, by the way. He's almost 90. So my father was in his 80s and he gets a, he gets a Cadillac. He always got Cadillac. So he gets a Cadillac. A leasing Cadillac. And, but he had this like killer, like chrome grill. And, and I looked at my father's car when I got back from the airport. My mother picked me up at the airport. And I looked at this Cadillac with the chrome grill. My father's like 85. And I'm like, wow, some chrome grill, you know. And my father's like, it's hot, right? Because <laughs> men can't wear makeup, you know. But we can get a chrome grill. You know, it's hot. So I was like, yeah, that's hot, Dad. That's a hot chrome grill. You know? And it just kept going like that. Like each, each lease after that was like a couple other goodies. You know, just keep things, keep things teeny, teeny, teenagey. <laughs> so anyway... It's so nice to be eternal, you know, like go for the eternal part of you. And by the way, whose face is going to stay younger? The person fighting to look young or the person who's always freshly eternal? Yeah, you check it out. Go check it out. People who live freshly eternal look young. They just look young. People who do less to their bodies and take better care of themselves because they see their body as a temple are younger, longer. They put less, there's less stress on their heart because when you're, when you got a temple, you know, you put the right things in it. You got to put the right things inside the temple, you know, in our temple in Jerusalem outside, you know, exhibit A, the temple mount. <laughs> Not every day you can do that, right? 
So, <laughs> the gentleman. So, I mean, there, were, there was like, there was like death penalty for certain things, like, <coughs> for bringing in there. You know, there's death penalty for certain things you can put in here, you know, like, like, for example, alcohol inside a coin while serving in the temple. Bad idea. Bad idea. No drinking. Kohanim are allowed to drink, just not while they're on call. In case they got to go inside the temple, no drinking, no alcohol in there. And so even their bodies, like what they put in their bodies when they put their body inside the temple, comes with rules. But unfortunately with human beings, is they generally human beings, they hang around the doorway too much. I mean, can you imagine you went to visit someone's house, and you get to the doorway, and they're like, oh, come on in. And you're like, you're kind of leaning against the doorway, and they're like, they're like, come on in. You're like, no, I'm just hang around the doorway, please. And like, well, I'd like to serve you something. Just serve it in the doorway. <laughs> Why won't you come in? It's like, I like doorways. I'll be more comfortable in the doorway. I'm happier in the doorway. Because think about it. How much time does food spend at your lips? or your teeth, your tongue, or your chewing. How long does the food spend there? Depends. Some people chew more than others, but, you know, between the good chewers is 20 seconds, the bad chewers is five seconds. But, okay, five seconds. So you, so you ate, though, whatever you ate. Now, how long is that going to be in your body? That depends on your metabolism. If it hits my body, it'll be in there for seven hours. If it hits someone else's body, it'll probably be in there for about 24 hours. Average people, probably more like 20, 24 hours. So, what should I be focusing on when I think about food? The body or the mouth? So, I got five seconds in the mouth and close to 20 hours in the body. So, why don't I think about the body? You know, I was camping the other day and, I don't know, we're a little looser when we camp especially with the amount of meat we eat at the barbecue. <laughs> I mean, that's a little weird. Is it a little weird what we do at a barbecue? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. If, someone hand, if, if you're sitting in someone's dining room and they served you a meal and you ate that amount of meat at the meal, that you just be like, that's the last time we're inviting them. That person's like a voracious. They're like, they're like it's, it's like a werewolf. <laughs> Think about it. But at a barbecue, oh, here come more wings, you know. Well, I guess that'll be my dessert. You know, after all the kebabs and the burgers and the and the steaks and the and you know it's an incredible amount of meat. Anyway, so I was being a little loose with eating all this meat. So next thing I know we're uh we're uh onion flavored potato chips. <laughs> Something I would never eat, but next thing I know I got a mouthful of these onion flavored potato chips. <laughs> Like a real mouthful of them, because I think I tried to do it quick before I'd think. And, and then I was, walking, I was walking through the forest for a minute to, to go talk to somebody. So I'm just in the forest. I got like two minutes till I get to them, and I'm chewing away at my... It was really delicious, actually, this onion-flavored potato chips. Anyway, but after I got about 20 feet into the forest, I said, you know, I pretty much enjoyed it at this point. No one's looking. What if I just kind of send it back to the earth, you know, and I, and I took all the potato chips <laughs> and I actually had a whole other load of them too, that I guess must've been in my cheeks. I don't know where they was were, but they, that also left, 
And I'm like, this doesn't belong in the human body. And okay, something got the best of me. But I actually, I actually spat out my potato chips. Now, if, as far as the bracha I made on them, I just kind of figured that whatever remnants where my mouth will be for the bracha part. So. Anyway. I really appreciate you guys allowing me to be so digressive today, as if you had any choice in the matter. But, uh, I mean, I can't believe we're talking about spitting potato chips out in the middle of my class on adjectives. But the, the point is like this. God is... God is... I mean, he didn't go to Home Depot to create this place, right? God created the world out of all there was. What was there? Nothing. There was just God. So what's the world made of? Made of God. So the whole world's made of God. The whole world's filled with, with his glory, which is a code word for the simulation. We have a bunch of words, because sometimes we have a bunch of words for the co- uh, code words for this, how this world's a simulation. One is the word baruch, one is the word shame, one is the word kvoid, one is the word malchus, and one word is oilam. These are all words for the simulation. Which is interesting, because after we say shema, we say baruch, shem, kvoid, malchus, le'oilam. And then vayed is, I'm not going to go into what vayed's about, but it's not one of the codes. But all those words are code words for this world being a digital simulation, really just being an illusion. After we say that God is one, by the way, what do we do with our hands while we say Shema and our eyes? Cover our eyes, because we're not we don't want to see the illusion while we're saying the truth. What's the truth? That it's all one. It's all everything's one. Well, now we'll go to the adjectives. So that's the Devarazet. The Devarazeh is that everything's really one and this world's just a simulation and that we are spirits in a material world. We are spirits in a material world. Our spirits in the material world. Our spirits in the material world. Uh-huh. I'm just singing that for everyone watching the live feed who's over 40. That was the police. You got that one. What album? Remember what album? No, it wasn't on Synchronicity. Synchronicity's. It, no, it was from uh, Ghosts in the Machine. Spirits in the material world, ghosts in the machine. That's what we are. We're ghosts in the machine. Yeah, uh, you know who the Police are? You heard of Sting? Sting was the lead singer of the Police, and when he left the Police and went solo, when Sting went solo, we were like, all of us were like. Dope. Like, you know, famous error when you're part of the best rock band in the world. Don't go solo. You know, maybe do it some other year. Not when you're at the height. And But little did we know what Sting had up his sleeve because, whoa. He, after he went solo, his career just went turbo and the world filled with some of the most beautiful music. Like, we didn't realize this rock band was going to morph into Sting who was going to play on everyone's heartstrings like... You know, but you know it's police songs, right? You know police songs? Every breath you take, every move you make, every smile you think, 
When we hear that, right, you know the song. When we, when us police song fans hear that song, we're like, ah, you know, like, don't sell out, man. Because we, police were like hard driving. I mean, they were like, they were crazy. Like, so not apologetic. Yeah. But even that song, even every breath takes a masterpiece of a song. Oh, can't you see? <laughs> okay, um, anyway, so let's go to the adjectives now. Check this out. You're in a simulation. It's all God. You got an eternal consciousness. First adjective. Emmis. <laughs> it's it's Emmis. Okay, that's Emmis. That's not much of an adjective, but it's true. It's truth. That's the truth. That's truth. Everything we get involved in is not true. This is truth. This is like the truth of the truth, is that this is all an illusion. In the, We're all a figment of God's imagination. Truth. It's the first one. I forgot to mention that one. Next one. Yatsiv. What's the word yatsiv mean? Stable. Stable. Think about it. How stable are people's lives these days in the illusion? People who don't realize, like, this is all really being run by a much bigger being. How about all the people who don't realize that? Stable or not stable? Are they leaving? At the end of their day, do they look in the mirror and go, stable? <laughs> when they're tweeting, are they like, stable? <laughs> it's all like unstable. You know, like it's even like top people in the world, like Trump himself, like when he tweets, you're like, everyone's just going like, unstable. <laughs> so our, our second adjective is stable. This is, this, is, this is your source of stability. You want to be stable? And you want to hear another thing, something amazing? Is that people who live by this, people who live by this, like who really live that this world's just a simulation, a figment of God's imagination. The communities that live like this, senility has the lowest statistic of any community on earth besides other communities, like they're usually tribal and jungles and stuff, who believe the world's an illusion. Because that's very stabilizing. See, when you believe this world's real, well, I mean, you, I think all of you have been riding the yo-yo. <laughs> you start to feel crazy after a while. And you're up, you're down, you're all around. You're like, it's not very stable. But when you're always focused on the being that has the string on its finger, I mean, how much you got to move your finger when you're playing yo-yo? Not much. It's just like little movements. Probably the smaller, the better. And there's the yo-yo. We're all, we've been riding the yo-yo. Not stable. But someone who realizes this is the essence of all reality, stable. So that's our first adjective, really the second. Third adjective. Nachon. What's the word nachon mean? Yeah, correct. But think about how many. Raise your hand if you like to be right. Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. Should be everybody unless you're just being lazy or you're lying. Okay? Everyone likes to be right. Well, we just said this thing's right. This is what's right. We all like to be right. Now tell me, what is it like to be right? Is it, is it, when, when you're around someone who's trying to be right, are you counting the seconds till you can leave that person? I mean, why don't you just chase the love out of your life? Just chase the love out of your life. You wanna, our deepest need in our lives is love. More than any other thing is love and connection. There's nothing. Your, your relationships are great, your life's great. Your relationships suck, your life sucks. Like, that's your life. 
And yet all of us will fall into being right all the time with people and just chase the love right out of our lives. Now, I'm not going to go into a deep psychological evaluation of why we do that because it's insane because it chases away our deepest need. Like it's literally like you're starving and you just like threw the bottle of water and the sandwich in the toilet. You know, like that's what we do when we're trying to be right. But our third adjective is that it's right. Meaning this is what's right. Everything else is going to be a far cry from this much rightness. This is like totally right. This is like 100% right. That we're in a simulation, that we're a figment of God's imagination, that's what's right. Any other statement anyone makes is going to be distant. It's going to be a distant far second to that rightness. There's other right things. It's not the only right thing in the world. A lot of right things. But this we're saying, like, this is like 100% right. You can count on it. It will always be there. Always being right. And you don't have to be, like, it's not you, so you're cool. Like, you're chill. Like, someone, for example, I mean, you'd think if I got in a situation where someone denied God's existence, do you think my heart rate would rise one minute? Like, stress or conflict or... It has zero impact on me for someone to deny God in my presence because what am I going to do? Start arguing for God? Like, you you ever thought about this? You ever met someone who didn't believe in God? You ever met someone like that? Did that have anything to do with whether God existed or not? Does does God's existence depend on someone believing in God? It'd be like someone who doesn't believe the sun exists. It means nothing. This is, so that's what's going on here. Is that our third adjective is nachon. This is nachon. This is right. Whether someone believes it, whether someone doesn't believe it, it's just right, and it's going to stay right, and it's always going to be right. Now, as far as life and its details, well, that's, that's complicated stuff. That's why we have court systems and stuff, you know, because let's say you two have a discrepancy. Who's right? And it's money involved. Well, we're going to have to deal with those details. Uh, I'll just do one more adjective. I realize this could be a great class, just the adjectives. But uh, the next one is, this is a great one, Yashar. Yashar. How, I mean, how would you score? How would you score on an integrity test? Just between you and you. Like, if you, like, wrote down, like, all the things you believe in, and then you had a test at the end of the week, a full evaluation of how much you lived it, how would you do Yashar means straight. It means like full integrity. It's interesting. Hebrew doesn't even have a word for it. There's no real word for integrity. We use the word Yashar. But Yashar doesn't mean integrity. Yashar just means straight. You didn't veer from your values. You didn't veer from things. How, How high would we score at the end of a week? If we said these are our values and then we got to have a full, like highly detailed evaluation with cameras watching us the whole time, microphones listening to us, and even something monitoring our thoughts. Like, how would you score at the end of the week? (laughs) It's a pretty scary thought. But this thing that we just said, this thing, that we're inside the simulation of this being, there's nothing straighter than that. Like, this is like, 
this is it, man. It's through and through. It's in. It's literally down to the the mac the micro. It's in the macro. It's it's one hundred percent through and through. Yashar straight. It is straight, and it will ring. It'll always survive. It'll be eternal. It'll ring through every single little thing. That that this is the reality of things. It's straight. Straight. And you, you'll notice, I mean, you look in your own life. I mean, you see that God's like playing so many games with you and, uh, and everyone else. Look at all the games he's playing with you. And you know you're, everything's tit for tat. Like, you know, all kinds of stuff's happening to you all the time. Details. Like micromanaging things happening in your life. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Some of that stuff we appreciate. Some of that stuff we're like, ah. We don't want to deal with, but but it's like totally straight. It's totally straight. You're always getting the exact straight dealings. It'd be like perfect parenting. You know, imagine your parents gave you perfect parenting. Straight. And that's ultimately, we're getting parented. That's why you never, and sorry, never. That's why you often don't get what you want, right? I'm, I'm a grandparent. So like, I'll give kids stuff that they, I probably shouldn't. You know, you know my, my daughter comes back to my house and the kids are like up to here in candy or whatever, you know, or whatever, whatever we're giving them, you know. Or bruised and battered from like, you know, just me being the grandpa who like said, yeah, just come meet me in, meet me in shul. And the kids, you know, we live in courtyards, Maya Sharim style courtyards. It, well, it turns out the kids, two years old, and you know, he, he did a couple roly polies on his way, and then his parents came to pick him up later. And he's like, "They're like, what happened to him?" And I'm like, "I told him to meet me in shul." And they're like, "He's two years old." You know, and I'm like, "Sorry." Anyway, but grandparents will give anything. Your parents say no a lot because they want what's really best for you, and they real they got their finger on the pulse of what's going to be good for you. There are stuff there's stuff you want that wouldn't be good for you, and God knows exactly when to say yes and when to say no. Yashar, straight. It's straight. This simulation will always come out straight. There's never extra. There's never like leftovers. There's never like extra yarn. In your life, there's never extra yarn that you cut off at the end, you know? When you knit a sweater, you got to cut off the extra yarn at the end. It's never. It's always down to the millimeter. It's totally straight. For everyone, for billions of people on the planet, every one of us. I'm not going to read more of these adjectives, but we got to uh, four adjectives of the 15. And that's how you make Judaism awesome, is you get into these details and you, and you realize, oh my gosh, this is like, this will make my life awesome. This would be awesome. If I can live this, it's awesome. Shalom, everybody. Rabbi, how are we doing with our clock? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.